is your next flight to London? There's one leaving in 30 minutes. <gasps> and I do have one seat left. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. The last minute fare on this ticket is $2,700. Huh. How about 600? <laughs> Sorry. <gasps> How about 600 and these earrings? <laughs> They prefer it if I don't barter. Oh, I just don't think I have enough left on my credit card. Well, you can split it with another credit card. Well, okay, how, how, about, how about five? Oh, thank you. I'm just going to need to see your passport. Okay, you know what? I, I don't have it, but I can tell you exactly where it is on my nightstand. And... Okay. But you know what? Okay, I have my I have my driver's license and I have a 20 Hi, I'm back. Listen, I need to Hello. Get... Hello. Um, I need to get on that 11 o'clock flight. Oh, I'm afraid that plane is already pulled away from the gate. Okay, you know what? You're going to have to call that plane and tell them to swing around and come and pick me up. I'll do that. Sure, you know what? Come on. We'll just tell them that there was, like, a problem with, like, the engine. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to step aside, miss. Look, if I don't get to London, he is going to marry that other girl. Can't imagine why. All right, you know what? I am not leaving here until you call that plane back. Rachel is in big trouble because the man that she was made for, Ross Geller, uh, she, he's going to marry the wrong woman. And she's got to get across the pond and fly over to England and, and stop the wedding. Otherwise, well, they can't be together. And, and of course, she's here trying, 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 even though she's really just too late. She doesn't have enough money. She doesn't have her passport. She, she, just, she really missed it. She totally missed it. And if you've seen the show, if you know the hit TV show Friends well, you know that for 10 seasons, we see this back and forth between Ross and Rachel. And, and the big question of the whole show is, are they going to figure it out by the time we get to the finale? That they're made for each other, that they're supposed to be together. Are they ever going to figure it out or is the show just going to end? Uh, and, and, and for us, we know when a finale is. You know, they tell us, they say, hey, tune in this week to the season finale of whatever your show is. And we're like, oh yeah, get the popcorn, it's going to be great. But when it's your life, you don't always know when the season finale is. You don't always know that the cliffhanger is going to lead to the next season. And the truth is that we go through 10 seasons with them, back and forth, back and forth. Will they ever figure it out before the finale? Have you ever wondered about that in your faith? Because here's the truth is that we all have a finale. It's one of two things, right? It's either our life ends or Jesus comes back and the world ends. There's going to be a finale for, for all of us. We all have a finale. And have you ever felt like, man, am I ever going to get this figured out before the finale? Am I ever going to make sure that I'm doing what I'm meant to do? That I'm with who I'm meant to be with? Am I, am I ever going to cut that thing out? Will I ever figure it out before the finale? 
You know, um, uh, and before we get into the rest of the message, I feel like that it's, it's, just, uh, it's just really, really cool to have Waukee Acapella here today. They got two standing ovations because, man, those guys can sing. Amen. They just are so gifted, so talented. And I love that the Waukee Acapella Choir, uh, which is, I think, one of their top choirs, uh, my, I think, my wife told me that because she was in it and she wanted to make sure that I knew that she was in the top choir when she was in high school. And so she, she told me that. She's like, and they're really good. And so it, it was just really cool to hear them. But you know what I love about that choir? Two things. One, those students, every day when they go to school, they're singing about Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. The other thing that's really cool is that usually our staff, you know, like we plan and, and prepare like all these, these uh, ways to tie in our messages with the worship songs that we sing with the band. And we, we want to make it like as cohesive as possible and make the message as clear as possible and, and, and hit all the themes. And we're like, hey, Waukee Acapella, will you guys just come and do some of the things that you've been preparing and, and some of the, the church tunes that you, you do? And they're singing these songs about crossing over the Jordan to meet our Lord. They're singing, they're literally singing about the season finale. Totally unplanned. See, there's going to be a season finale for all of us. But God's working in it and through it. And a lot of people, you hear information like, oh, we're talking about the end of the world or the end of my life. That sounds ominous. That sounds scary. Or maybe it sounds suspicious. And believe me, I understand both of those emotions and reactions, but I just want you to know, Jesus gets it figured out before the finale. Jesus, he's always had it figured out. It's always been in, in, his, pan, in his hands. Uh, you know that old like children's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got all of you in his hands too. Jesus, when he comes back, and it's, it's not the season finale of one of our lives, it's the series finale of our world as we know it. It's actually not a scary thing. It's actually really good news. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about that because what we think about how things are going to end up, it changes how we live now. If Ross and Rachel, if they could have just seen that they were meant for each other, there wouldn't be 10 seasons of friends. There'd be maybe one and a half seasons of friends where they'd like be dating and it'd be cute. And then they like would actually like work on their stuff and they'd be healthy and they'd forgive each other for things. And, and then they'd, they'd just have a relationship and they'd be together because they were meant to be together. But how do you make money off a TV show if you don't have cliffhangers at the end? Am I right? I mean, some of you, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't be binging Netflix for hours and hours and hours. Anyway, what I want to talk about today, for some, it can be really emotional. For some, depending on how you grew up, it, it can be really um, scary. But I want to, us to look today at the good news that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for you. He's coming back with justice for you, with forgiveness for you, with love for you, and to set the world right, to undo what death has done, to undo what sin has done. And he's coming back. 
for you. See, uh, there was this time, we just celebrated Easter this past week, and, and what an amazing week. It, it just was so cool to see uh, what God did in the course of, of the past seven days, and it just feels like that God is up to, I feel like we say this all the time because it's true, He is up to things all the time, but it just feels like God's like, let's just crank up the volume a little bit, let's just do it. And it has been so cool. And this is what it was like during the actual Holy Week. There was so much that was happening. Jesus, he died on a cross and he, and he rose from the grave. It's crazy when you think about that. He actually rose from the grave. And there were 500 eyewitnesses that saw him after he had died and rose. In fact, some of them, they would have brunch with him on the beach. They had fish and chips for brunch. Weird brunch food, but that's what they ate, I guess. And they, they had time with him. They talked with him. They walked with him. There were so many ways that Jesus confirmed that, yes, I am alive. This is my body. I'm not a ghost. Put your fingers here in my hands. And there were eyewitnesses. Most of those eyewitnesses ended up dying for something that they could have known was a lie. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Most of those eyewitnesses, they ran away from, from anything having to do with Jesus when they saw Jesus die because they thought they were next. But now... Wait a second. If he's alive, that changes. That, that changes things. If he's alive, that means the end is different, and now I can live differently now because I have hope that goes beyond death. And so all of this happens at Easter. It's incredible. And, and then they're hanging out with Jesus, and, and Jesus is having his last conversation with them on earth. And Jesus, they're asking questions. He says, Jesus, they say, Jesus, is now the time? Is now like that moment, is it the season finale, right? Where, where you're going to get rid of this oppressive Roman government and you're, you're gonna establish your kingdom and, and you're going to make sure that our kingdom is, it, it lasts forever. Is now the time that's, you know, the end. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, that's not for you to know. You don't get to know the day or the hour when I'm coming in my kingdom. And you don't even get to know the way in which I'm coming in my kingdom. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you with my power, my love, my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send you into all of the dark corners of this world with the light and love that I have given you. And then Jesus did something very weird. He ascended into heaven. I don't know about you, but I've never seen someone just without like a cable of some sort. Uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be awesome if I had a cable and I just had like, I should have thought of that ahead of time. But I have no cables, okay? I cannot ascend into heaven. But Jesus, he just like, do, do, do. He like ascended into heaven. And of course, if you're there and you're one of the disciples, you're like, uh, what? And I think that God was probably having a little bit of fun with them because he sent some angels while they were like, they were like looking at Jesus up there and the angels, they come up and say, hey, what are you guys looking at? What, why are you looking up there? He's sending you out. And besides, Someday, we don't know when, but someday he'll return. He'll return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. In the same, you saw him go where, where he left earth and went to heaven, and he is coming back. 
And, and you know, it's easy to be suspicious of things like that. If you're anything like me, you hear, like the first time I heard that story, I'm like, that's a very convenient thing to do after a resurrection. Why don't you just stick around for all of the generations to believe in you, huh? You know, if Jesus can go to the grave and come back, he can probably go to heaven and come back too, can he? If Jesus can, can be the one through whom all things were made, if he can create the universe that we witness right before our eyes, he probably has the power to ascend into heaven and, and come back. You might be like, well, why did he leave? Why didn't he? I mean, it still doesn't answer the question. Why didn't he just stay so we all could see him? And why didn't he just establish his kingdom right there and right then? Well, it was for you. It was so you could be a part of his story too. And so all the generations from the first century to now... See, he left and he empowered his people to share his love and to bring in, to usher in the, what we call the kingdom of God. Not we, that's what Jesus called it, the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's where God is king. You're like, thanks, pastor. That was really enlightening. I appreciate that. <laughs> the kingdom of God is where God is king. For you, you go to your work and your boss is king. For you, maybe you go to the hospital because there's a sickness that's king over you or someone in your family. We might look around the globe and we see there's some very tyrannical kings around. It seems like sin is king. The enemy, the devil is, is king. It seems like the, that all, darkness is king. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm coming to set up the kingdom of God and I want you to bring my light into the darkness. And to make heaven, see, we pray this in the Lord's Prayer, that heaven will come to earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there will be a day when Jesus comes back and he will set things right. There will be a day when he comes back and the dead will be raised. There will be a day where Jesus comes back and, and, and a party will start and that party will never end. And he has a place for you and all of it. He waited for you, for us. And someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, that said, if you're anything like me, I don't know. Is there anyone here that you, you're a self-prescribed, or not prescribed, but described procrastinator? Any procrastinators in the house? Anybody? Yeah, procrastination, that's right. Anyone that's like, I over-prepare. I, uh, you know, people tell me I, I am so organized. And I mean, you're not going to raise your hand for that. Give me a break. Like, but someone's going to give you an elbow. Did someone just give you an elbow? Then it's probably you, okay? So we have these different ways that we respond to information like this. And it kind of depends on our, our personality a little bit. A lot of it depends on the way that we grew up. Maybe if you read certain books or watched certain movies, you know, you might, might have different perspectives on what it means that there's going to be a season finale for your life and for this world. And if you're like me, maybe you just kind of sometimes assume we've got plenty of time. 
it's been 2,000 years, you know, Jesus probably isn't coming back anytime soon. There's probably going to be at least a few more thousand years. I'm banking on the fact that I'm going to grow, uh, you know, old, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, play a lot of shuffleboard or whatever old people do, you know. That's what young people think sometimes. That's what I'll do. I'll retire and live somewhere warm. I'll create my little slice of heaven. I got plenty of time. And so what we do is we, we, hit, we hit the snooze button. We hit the snooze button on, on our relationship with God. We hit the snooze button on our relationship with people. And it's like, we, we can deal with that later. We got time. We hit the snooze button on, on thinking through what is it that we really believe about this Jesus who supposedly rose from the dead. I'll worry about that when things start to look darker. What do we think about Jesus saying that I'm coming back? And if he came back from the grave, then he could come back from heaven, and we don't know when. And so the more we hit snooze, the more we hit snooze. Have you ever hit the snooze button so many times you ended up late? Have you ever hit the snooze button so many times that that you missed your flight? See, the, the truth is we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and the more we hit snooze, well, we make an assumption. We're making an assumption that we've got time. And you know what assuming does? It makes mistakes. So you thought I was going to say something else. This is church, people. Come on. <laughs> when you make assumptions, it leads to all sorts of mistakes. And Jesus doesn't want anyone, because of their assumptions, to miss out on what he has for them. We've got time, maybe. You know, uh, Rachel was trying to get on the plane to go uh, profess her love to Ross, and uh, we recently flew uh, to see my, my dad. And, and I don't know about you, maybe you're like this, maybe not, but flying can be a very introspective experience for me. Uh, helps me to reflect a little bit, and maybe it's because I'm up in the sky, closer to God. That's not how it works, but... Uh, Anyway, so we were flying, and this was the first time that we had brought our two young children with us on a plane. Uh, Elliot had been on a plane before, uh, but Emma, it's the very first time, like, ooh, how's she going to handle, like, when we hit some turbulence or, or the landing, you know? Uh, I had someone who was in the Air Force come up to me after I talked about this in the last service. They said, you know, a landing is actually just a controlled crash. And I'm like, I'm never flying again. Uh... <laughs> and this is, I'm like, you're in the Air Force? This is what they teach you? Okay. Uh, so for me, I'm not afraid to fly. And I'm not afraid even to die. But I am afraid to die by plane crash, okay? That is not what I want to do. I don't want to go out like that. That seems like one of the worst ways to go. Jesus was crucified. That was probably worse. But still, like, that's just awful. And, now, and my offspring are on this plane. And so... You know, we hit a little turbulence, and I'm like, oh, this could be it. <laughs> we get to the landing, and are any of you like this? You kind of squeeze the arm rest a little bit tighter when you get to the landing, and you're like, because that's going to save you. you know, I just squeeze it a little bit harder because I don't have any control right now. Maybe it's my season finale. Maybe. Maybe not. You know, statistically, you have a greater chance of getting in trouble in your car. But we don't think about it then, do we? It's amazing how we assume that we have time. But Jesus says, you don't know how much time. 
And that's not to scare you. It's to help you prioritize. It's to help you see that, that okay, um, I'm going to give my kids another hug. Okay, I'm going to give that person a call that I haven't thought of in a while. Okay, you know, I don't know how much time I have, but I can be ready to meet the moment that I have. Some of us, we think, well, we've got time. The other one is more fear-based. And maybe you like, you read those books, you know, the ones I'm talking about where people get left behind and then preachers take that and misuse the Bible or, or they take the newspaper and they chop up different Bible verses and they match them to the newspaper and say, see that political leader, that's Satan. That's the Antichrist. And then they get people all scared. You know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't go around being like, let me see who I can scare into following a religion. He didn't do that. He came to love. And Jesus' return is not bad news. It's not scary news. It is the best news because he comes with justice and resurrection and love and eternal life. He's prepared a place for you in the kingdom of God. And we think, some of us, we think, okay, you could be coming back anytime. So any second now. And we make predictions when Jesus says, don't even try You can't know. I won't let you know. The Father won't let you know the hour of my return. Because actually, it's better for you if you don't. It's better that you don't spiritually procrastinate. It's better for you that you engage in love now. It's better for you that you engage in a relationship with God now. You know what happens is a lot of Christians will say, oh, any second now, and we peddle fear, and and we go around and we say, okay, well, we should all get shelters because because the planes will crash and the cars will crash, and, and fear, 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 but God is not bringing fear. God is bringing his kingdom, and his kingdom is not a kingdom of fear. It's a kingdom of love, amen? He is coming into this world to bring hope, and it's for you. And Jesus is simply saying, I don't want you to miss out on it. I don't want you to be distracted with other things and then get to the the airport gate and you're like, oh, oh, where's my passport? I don't want you to miss that. Christians, it it gets worse because Christians, what we'll do is we'll say, oh, well, we don't need to take care of, of, you know, the poor. Or we don't need to take care of those that are suffering or those whose lives have been ravaged by war. Because Jesus is coming back any time, you know, it's going to be any, any, any moment now. And so Christians, they'll become insular instead of being who we were made to be. Christians will shirk our responsibility to be a light in this world. Because, oh, well, Jesus is coming soon, so he, he's going to take care of it. Jesus was not okay with that mindset. In fact, there's a time that Jesus was talking about the end, the series finale. But he was talking about it while speaking to his disciples about the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the Jewish leaders. And these Jewish leaders, they, I mean, the Messiah that they had been waiting for, it was like right in front of them. They were missing him. And the responsibility that they were given Well, they'd misplaced it. They'd lost their way. It's a pretty humbling passage to read as a pastor. It's not like you can't turn on the news and find pastors that have lost their way. 
It's not like you probably can't think of names of Christians that have lost their way. Or Christians that they bear the name of Jesus Christ, but they don't bear the character. It's like they're missing the party. See, Jesus, he tells these stories to help explain it. And he, he says, you know, it's kind of like, like when there was this master one time who he had to go away on this trip. And so when he went away, he picked one of his servants in the household and said, you get to be the steward, the master of the house. And, and I want you to watch over all of my affairs and, and keep track of the money and, and help the other servants out and, and, and take care of everybody and everything. So he goes away, and, and this servant, he starts to think about himself as a little bit higher, a little more favored, a little more important than the other ones, and he starts abusing his power as if he's not equal. He has access to the master's money. He's got a budget. And you know what he does with the budget is he starts to party. He starts to create his own little slice of heaven on earth where he's going to have the best time ever and he gets drunk and he parties and he doesn't take care of what he's responsible for. And all of you, you've been to high school. You know what happens in high school when you have people over that you're not supposed to have over and your parents don't know. What happens every single time your parents come home? You're you're like, I'm in church. I'm not going to admit that I had people over in high school that weren't supposed to be there. They come home early. They come home early. And when, when the master came home, do you think, you know what he was planning on doing? He was planning on throwing a homecoming party where that servant would get to celebrate and, and have all the joy and actually, actually probably even more joy than he would have had if he, well, hadn't done what he'd done. But instead of a homecoming party, do you, do you know what happened to this servant? Do you think that he had a party? No, he was fired. Jesus goes on, he says, you know, there was this wedding and there were 10 bridesmaids in the wedding and back then those, those weddings, you would have the brides over here, or brides, the bride and bridesmaids all doing brides and bridesmaids-y things, whatever that is, and they would be waiting for the groom to come. And the groom would be getting ready and doing groomsy things, whatever that is. And then the groom would make the journey to go meet the, the bride and the bridesmaids, and they would have a processional. And then that's where they would go into the party. And you know what's really cool about being, many of you, you've been in a wedding, you've been a, a bridesmaid, or you've been a groomsman. And, and you know what's so cool about that is you get to have a front row seat, don't you? You get to stand where the bride and the groom are. You get to see it closer than anybody. You get to sit at the table with the bride and the groom at the reception. You get to go eat first. Yeah, baby. I mean, how many of you are like, man, I wish I could eat first at one of those weddings and you're at the table in the back. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, grandma's taking forever and you're just so hungry. And, and so, and it, just me, huh? Okay. Uh, I, need to, I need to pull it together here. Here we go. All right, so you're at these, this wedding and, and the, the bridesmaids, they, they have these lamps and they light these lamps so that if the groom comes after it's dark, they can see or he can see where the bride and bridesmaids are. And so their lamps are lit. It's taking a long time. It gets late, late enough that they even, they fall asleep. 
which actually was a really common thing. It was sort of like a, a fun tradition that if you could catch the bride and bridesmaids sleeping, that was like a good sign, okay? And so the groom comes and someone says, hey, the groom's almost here. And so he's coming at night. And, and so five of the bridesmaids, they look at the other five and they say, uh-oh, my lamp's almost out of oil. It's not going to keep burning for the processional. And back then it was even illegal to walk outside at night without a light because that probably meant someone was there to rob you. And so they said, hey, you brought extra. Can I have some of yours? They said, I would, but if I don't use this for mine, then I'm in the same boat as you. Or if I even split it, I'm in the same boat as you. It'd be kind of like, you know, if you were supposed to show up in a pink dress, you brought a blue one. Whoops, ordered the wrong color. And so you, you say, hey, can I borrow your dress? No, that's not how it works. You just got to go and get one. So they go. And while they're gone, while they're distracted, while they're trying to piece things together that should have been pieced together in time, the groom comes and they go into the party and the party starts without them. They go knock on the door, but do you know everybody wanted to be in the bridal parties because you got that place of honor. You got to drink the good wine. You got to eat the food first. You, there was all of this stuff. And so everyone would be like, hey, we're friends too, right? Hey, we're friends too, right? Hey, we're friends too, right? And Jesus says, you know what the groom said is, I don't know you. And so they missed it. That's a sad story, right? You know, we're supposed to prepare for a better party. We're supposed to prepare for a place of honor. And, and Jesus is like, Jesus, wow, this is, this is heavy. But he goes on. And he says, well, there was a servant that had five talents, one that had three, and one that had one. And when the master went away, and you hear talent, you might think, <clears throat> this guy can juggle and he can dance. And he, in the Bible, a talent was actually a, a sum of, of wealth, of value. And this guy with five, he, he got a side hustle and he multiplied it. He invested it. And he didn't know when his master was coming back. If he was coming back in a week, wouldn't have been a great return. But if he came back in a long time, it'd be a really great return. So the one with five, he made five more. The one with three, he made three more. The one with one, well, he thought his master was not so nice of a guy. Similar to how a lot of people think of God. So he thought, you know, the best thing to do is to mitigate risk. I'm just going to take this one because if I lose it, it's gone. I got nothing. So I'm going to bury it. And when he comes back, I'll have it. So many of us, we, we're so distracted that we don't actually invest in and grow what God has given us. And so the master returns and, and hey, let's party, guy that went five to ten. Hey, let's party, servant that went from three to six. And, and so you go to the servant that had one, and you'd expect he'd go from one to two. But he didn't understand the assignment. He didn't grow what God had given him. He didn't invest in it because he didn't understand him. He didn't know his character. So he missed the party. Last one, Jesus tells story after story after story. He says, you know, because these were agricultural guys, all right? You, you know when, when the sheep and the goats, they're out at pasture and they're, you know, they're mowing the lawn. They're eating all the grass. 
And you know how they get all mixed up and, and, and they're just, you know, being sheep and goats. And, and then you want to cash in on your, your livestock. And so what do you got to do? You got to take, you got to sort them out. You take the goats and you put them over there and you take the sheep and you put them over there. And that's what it's going to be like in the series finale. The kingdom of heaven is going to come and the goats will be separated from the sheep. And the Messiah will say to the goats, hey, you were waiting for me, but you forgot me. You were waiting for me, but you missed me. And they say, what are you talking about? You, you weren't even here. We were waiting for you. We said prayers. We went to services. We, we, like, we were very religious. And he'll say, you don't know me because you... You didn't love the least of these, even though I loved you and you were the least of these. My grace ended with you. It didn't pour out of you. And then I'll turn to the sheep. He'll say, inherit the kingdom of God, eternal life. Inherit this gift. And the sheep will be like, well, what do we do to earn it? And Jesus would say, actually nothing. But you did understand the assignment. You know your shepherd. You know your master. You know that, that I came to you when you were the least of these and I loved you. I came to you when you were sick and in prison. I came to you when you were broken in sin. I came to you and I gave you love and grace. And you didn't just let it stop there. It overflowed to the least of these. But the problem is a lot of us are like, well, I got time. Or, well, any second now. And Jesus is he's saying, don't miss it. Because there's going to be a day, and you don't know when, where Jesus is going to show up in person. And there won't be anyone that's like, hmm, I need to see the evidence. Which, by the way, is a great thing. Check out the evidence. Nothing to hide. But you won't need it then. Because you'll see him eyeball to eyeball and he will look you in the face. And he's going to ask you something. He's going to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus is coming not to bring punishment because he likes punishment. He's not coming to bring judgment because he likes judgment. He is coming to set the world right. He is coming to bring his love. He is coming to bring everlasting life. He is coming to bring a, a whole new world. He is coming to bring his kingdom. And he's prepared a place for you. Jesus told his disciples on the night that he was, he was betrayed, he said, I'm going to go somewhere you can't go. And there's many rooms in my father's house. If I, I wouldn't tell you that if I wasn't going to prepare a place for you. And he's coming back, and when he says, are you ready? It's not a question of, have you, you know, figured out how to not sin? I haven't done that. Neither have you. When he says, are you ready? He's saying, are you ready for the glory and the goodness and the party that I have for you? The place in the kingdom of God that I have for you? Because when Jesus shows up, it's good news, not bad news. When Jesus shows up, it's new life, not death. When Jesus shows up, he's showing up for you. He's coming back.
And he's coming back for you. Are you ready? Here's a question because, you know, it'd be easy to turn this into just some like insurance policy or will for what happens after you die. But here's a question to, to help you see how this actually impacts your life between now and when either Jesus comes back and now and when you die. What would you do? What would you do if you knew, if somehow you got insider information that Jesus was coming back today? What would you do? If you knew it was your series finale, it could be today. I hope, I hope you live a long, joyful, peaceful life. But whether you do or whether you don't, there's a long, joyful, peaceful eternity for you too. And so what would you do? Would, would you maybe stop like, like messing around with that awful job? that's just sucking the life out of you? Would, you? would you maybe say, look, I, I gotta put TikTok down. I don't got time to be scrolling. Yes, I am addicted, but I, am, I gotta put this down. Would you, would you maybe say, look, I, that relationship, I've tried to make that work so many times, you cannot relate to the Ross and Rachel unhealthiness and, and you're like, I don't have time for that today. I got this day. This is all I got. Who would you call? What would happen to your prayer life? How would, you, how would you worship? Like when we worship in just a few minutes, if you knew that Jesus was coming at the very end of that, would it change the way that you worship? Like there's nothing wrong with doing the, the Lutheran praise, you know, one of these. That's the Lutheran praise, you know, you just kind of, you sit there, but like your heart is totally in it because that's what really counts. But what would happen in your heart if you knew for, for a fact that Jesus was showing up? Here's what I'm willing to bet is there so many things that we would say, you know, that's what I fill most of my time with, but today I need to fill my time with love, with forgiveness, with reconciliation, with prayer, with worship. And it turns out that when you have a perspective of Jesus is coming back any moment and it's not based in fear, oh, it helps you to live well. So what's keeping you from doing this right now? What's keeping you from do, do, like doing the forgiving, doing the reconciling, making the phone call, putting TikTok down? What's keeping you from doing it now? Ross and Rachel, you know, if I asked them this question, they would say, well, you know, we've been doing this thing where I pursue her, she's going that way, and then I start going this way, and she decides, hey, wait a second, and, and that's, you know, 10 seasons now, we've been going back and forth and back and forth, and oh, if Jesus was coming back today, if it was the series finale, I think that we'd have to figure out how to come together. And so season 10 rolls around, and Rachel has taken a job in Paris, and this feels like it's the end. And so as Ross is grieving this goodbye that feels like forever, something happens inside of him where, well, take a look at what happens in their season finale. Like one of those things you think is never gonna happen and, and then it does and it's everything you want it to be. Oh, it's just the perfect way to say goodbye. So you just let her go? Yeah. 
Now you can move on. I mean, you've been trying to for so long. Maybe now that you're on different continents, maybe now you can actually do it. Yeah, that's true. Except... I don't want to get over her. What? I don't. I want to be with her. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go after her. Yeah, you are! <laughs> Where is she? I don't see her. Rachel! Rachel! What are you guys doing here? Don't go. What? I love you. I know you love me. I know you do. Miss. I... I have to get on the plane. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you I don't. Do. They're waiting for me, Ross. I can't do this right now. I'm sorry. Ross, hi. It's me. I just got back on the plane. That is so not how I wanted things to end with us. It's just that I wasn't expecting to see you, and then all of a sudden you're there and saying these things, and now I'm just sitting here and thinking of all the stuff I should have said and I didn't. I mean, I didn't even get to tell you that I love you too. Because of course I do. I love you. I love you. I love you. What am I doing? I love you. Oh, I've got to see you. I've got to get off this plane. Okay, excuse, excuse me. Miss, please sit down. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but I need to get off the plane. Come on, miss. Isn't there any way that you can just let me off the... Did you get off the plane? Did you get off the plane? I got off the plane. She got off the plane. She turned around. And for the first time, Ross and Rachel, they started to pursue each other at the same time. See, Jesus has been pursuing you every moment of your life. Jesus is, he's a gentleman. He's not gonna force his way into your world. He's not gonna say, you must love me or else because I'm insecure. He's perfectly secure. But he also has a place for you in his kingdom. See, Ross, he pursues Rachel. And Rachel, at first she runs away, and maybe you relate to that. that maybe you felt the drawing of God, that he's pursued you. And for some reason, it's just kind of been like, I don't, I don't know. I think this is really where life is. You know, I was um, thinking about the question that I asked you. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming back today? What would you do different? I was thinking about it for, for myself, and I, and I thought, okay, what would I preach? If this was the last sermon that I ever got to do, if, this was, if, if, if Jesus was coming back, and he'll be the preacher from now on, okay? Like, he's, he's going to be the preacher, and, and really, he is the preacher because we're speaking from his word, but we get to actually see him do it. We get to see him eyeball to eyeball in person. Just like when Rachel came and showed up in person. Jesus is coming and he's showing up in person and you know what it's gonna be like? It says, 
I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, the king, said, look, I'm making everything new. Death has reached its series finale. But Jesus, he has no series finale. His kingdom has no series finale. And though you might have a season finale where we die on this side of heaven, when he comes again, he raises the dead. And so hear this word from Psalm 23 that's, that's so often read at funerals, but we always tend to forget this part. It's always even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. But you know how it ends? It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And it turns out that when we pursue God, who's been pursuing us, when when we actually both are turning to each other, well, he's always been turned to us, but we repent is the Bible word. We turn and we experience his love for us. It changes not just the end, but it changes today. Because surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Because the house of the Lord, the kingdom of God, has no series finale. And you, well, he's prepared a place for you. And you have no series finale either. Amen? Amen. I want us to stand together, and what we're going to do is is we're going to worship God with this song that talks about the kingdom, how we are the kingdom of God. And here's a question for you. When you're worshiping during this song, I I want you to just think for, for a minute, and maybe, we don't know, maybe Jesus during this song is going to come back. Who knows? But imagine what it will do to your heart, even if you're doing the Lutheran thing. Or maybe you're, you're, you feel led to raise your hands and to celebrate because his kingdom is coming. So let's sing the song together because our Lord is coming again.